Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this past week the worldwide church was stunned by the news of a report which came out about a recently deceased eminent apologist for the Christian faith who, it seems, used his position and power not only to speak many good things and to be greatly helpful to many believers, but also at the same time secretly to feed his lust. And it was a hard thing to read the reports that came out about this sad, sad situation. And it was a warning to the church. A warning that the church is not the place to seek celebrity leaders. But it is a place where we ought to seek shepherds, under-shepherds, who reflect the character of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. A warning to the church to seek sober-mindedness and humility in her leaders. A warning to the church to maintain biblical accountability by the elders over those called to speak the gospel. Now, difficulties with leaders who lose the plot, who don't understand that it's not about them but about him, that is not a new thing in the history of the church. Way back thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, the prophets rail against the unfaithful shepherds of God's people. And 2,000 years ago, in the context of our text, John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus is dealing with the same kind of bad leadership in the people of God. He's confronting church leaders who are comfortable and entrenched in their power and their privileges, who love the perks of office, the reputation the glory, the money, and the comforts. They were having a great time abusing their office for their own glory. They were having such a great time that they felt very threatened when the Lord of the church arrived on the scene. They felt threatened by him because they had a good thing going, they thought, and he was getting in the way of that. And so in John chapter 8, just before the chapter we're looking at today, in John chapter 8, verse 59, the Lord declares one of those great I am sayings. Sorry, it's verse 58. One of those great I am sayings that we read in the book of John. There are eight of them. And here is the, the, the core and the key I am saying. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The leaders of God's people said to Jesus, you are a demon-possessed, contemptible outsider. We are children of Abraham. We are the true church. Who are you? And the Lord Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. 
And he evokes with those words the very meaning of the covenant name of God, Yahweh, I am who I am. He said to them, basically, you think that you're the leaders of God people, God's people? I am the God of God's people. Who do you think you are? And they know what he's saying because they pick up stones to kill him on the spot for the sin of blasphemy. They know very well that he is stating and proclaiming that he is God himself. And then in John chapter 9, just before our chapter of today, he shows his divine power. He restores sight to the blind man, and the leaders don't know what to do with that. It's a threat to their power, because all the people are excited about the Lord Jesus and his healings, and they can't handle the competition. So they excommunicate this poor blind man, this healed man. They cast him out, because he is testifying by his words and by his existence, he is testifying to the power of Jesus. And so at the end of chapter 9, the Lord Jesus condemns these unfaithful leaders of God's people. They are blind guides. They are hirelings, as we read in the beginning of chapter 10. They are unfaithful shepherds. They are thieves and robbers. They're only in it for themselves. They're the wrong people in the wrong office doing the wrong thing. And then when we get to chapter 10... We get some more I am statements, and you read them as we read that together just a few moments ago. We get the number four, number five times that these I am statements come in the gospel. I am the door, and I am the good shepherd. There's a, a stark contrast between the unfaithful office bearers and the true, faithful, and perfect office bearer who is Christ himself. You see that in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then in verse 11, our text, we come to the fifth I am statement of the gospel. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What Christ does here is he takes the I am, that, that, that sentence which evokes the name Yahweh, covenant God of Israel, and he connects it to another powerful theme running through the scriptures, and that is that God is shepherd and that his people are the sheep of his flock. We just sang Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's throughout the Psalms that theme. Psalm 80, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Psalm 100, we sang it at the beginning of the service. We are his people, we sang, and the sheep of his pasture. And the prophets proclaim God as the great shepherd of his flock. Isaiah chapter 40 prophesies of the Messiah who will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And then you also have the prophecies that I mentioned earlier where the prophets rail against the unfaithful shepherds. You see that in Ezekiel 34 where he prophesies against those shepherds who are greedy and cruel and who exploit the, the flock for their own lusts and their own desires. And then in Ezekiel 34, in the second part of that chapter, God says, I will come and I myself will shepherd my people. If you can turn to that for a second, Ezekiel 
34. We'll just look at those last verses there. The first part of the chapter shows that the the wickedness of those shepherds that are feeding themselves instead of feeding the sheep. Look at verse 3. You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. When God's people don't have faithful under-shepherds, then it's a disaster and people get hurt and people are cruelly attacked and overcome by the enemy, by the wolves, by the enemy of their souls. But then look at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them Injustice. So when the Lord Jesus in our text says, I am the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus is telling them, and they know this, I am the fulfillment of all the ancient prophecies. I am the one of whom it was spoken there in Ezekiel 34. I am the one who will do what these unfaithful leaders haven't been doing. I, God of God, very God of very God, I have come to take care of my sheep and the little lambs of the flock. And in the Greek it says it this way, I am the shepherd, the good one. It's a real emphasis there. What shepherd? The good one. And the word that's used there for good is a fantastic word, which has this wonderful semantic field, which includes good and right and proper and fitting and better and honorable and honest and fine and beautiful and precious and excellent. All of those things bound up in that one word. That's who Jesus is. God has come. Emmanuel, God is with us. He has come to gather his scattered flock to save and protect and gently tend the sheep and the lambs. Now, how, how will he do that? By doing the opposite of what the bad shepherds were doing. The good shepherd, says Jesus, lays down his life for the sheep. The essence of the leadership in the kingdom of darkness is to take and to take and to take. But the essence of leadership in the kingdom of God is to give and to give and to give. 
And unfaithful shepherds don't know how to do that. They, they only know how to take. They don't know how to give. They only know how to want and want and want more. But Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I lay down my life for my sheep. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I'm going to die for my sheep. That would be a remarkable thing already. I'm going to die for my sheep. But he doesn't say that. He's not just going to die for his sheep. He's going to deliberately and sovereignly and intentionally, he is going to take his life and lay it down for his sheep. Look at verse 18. You remember when we read that just a few moments ago? No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received from my Father. Jesus says, I am the, the shepherd, the good one, and I lay down my life for my sheep. That means he is proclaiming the truth of what he's about to do on Golgotha. He's going to take his soul, and he's going to take his body, and he's going to rip them one from the other. And that's not going to be something that is done to him, something that happens to him, something that he has to bear, but it is something that he chooses to do because that's what good shepherds do. They lay down their life for the sheep. Now, who are these sheep that Jesus lays down his life for? It's an important teaching of Holy Scripture that Jesus doesn't just die randomly, wondering who will choose to participate in the salvation which he has gained on the cross. The Bible teaches that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And look at verse 27. He knows who they are. See what it says there in verse 27? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And they are known by God. Look at verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. When Jesus says, I will lay down my life for the sheep, he's speaking about the flock of God, the sheep of God, the chosen ones chosen by God from all eternity, chosen by God unto eternal life. That's what it says there in verse 28, right? I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. This is the elect of God, the chosen church of God, chosen in eternity, gathered, defended, and preserved by God in time from the beginning of the world unto its end. And of these, the Lord says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's a specific, defined group of people that his father has given to him. 
Now, take a look at verse 27 again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And then compare that with verse 26. Look what the Lord Jesus says to the leaders. Pay close attention to the order in which he speaks here. He says, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now, we would expect him to say, well, you're not one of my sheep because you don't believe. But he doesn't say that. He says, you are not one of my sheep. You are not one of the chosen. You are not one of that massive group that no man can number that the Father has chosen from all eternity to lavish his love upon and whom the Father has given to me to die for and to lay down my life for. You're not part of that group. That's why you don't believe. But my sheep, if I have chosen them from eternity, then in time I will come to them with the gospel and I will effectually call them and justify them and I will sanctify them and I will glorify them. They hear my voice. And they follow me. Right there in verses 26 and 27, you've got some of the deep, glorious scriptural truths about the sovereign grace of God in Christ, the sovereign electing grace of God in Christ, which we confess in the canons of Dort. It's right there in verses 26 and 27. I am the shepherd, the good one. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What does that mean for us, congregation of the Lord? Well, it means this. It means that Jesus loves you, flock of God. Jesus loves you, little lambs of the flock. He loves you dearly. He paid the highest price for you. He laid down his life for you. And if he gave everything for you, Will he refuse you anything that you need? You are precious to him. You can pour out your soul to him. You can plead with him to give you everything you need in this life, and he will hear your prayers because he loves you. And when he leads you by the still waters and he restores your soul and he leads you in paths of righteousness, you can delight in him. You can rejoice in him. You can praise him and thank him. And when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you do not have to fear any evil because he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. So you can cry out to him in your pain, in your brokenness, in your hurt, in your fear, in your worries and concerns. You can cry out. When life gets dark and, and, and heavy and it seems that we can't go on, then he is near and he cares. And he will pick us up in his everlasting arms when we are broken and hurting, when we need healing. He will carry us along. Jesus loves you, flock of God. That means we need to live close to him. We need to hear his voice. And we need to follow him. It's not good enough just to know this in your head. It's not good enough to be a a sheep kind of wandering blithely around all by yourself. And the flock's over there in the distance following the shepherd. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's my good shepherd over there. He's my shepherd too. doesn't work that way. Because a wolf's going to come. He's going to kill you. It's going to tear you to pieces. 
You've got to be with the flock. You've got to be following the shepherd. You've got to be hearing his voice. And you've got to follow as he leads you. Well, Jesus also teaches us about leadership. Jesus calls leaders to pay close attention to how we lead. And most of us are leaders in some kind of a sense, in some aspect of life. Jesus calls the, the pastors of the church, the deacons, the preacher, the elders. He calls them, he calls teachers, he calls parents. We're all under shepherds of some kind. And we care for the sheep for whom Jesus has laid down his life. He suffered for them and he bled for them. And he loved them even unto death. And when we look at those whom God has entrusted into our care, we ought to tremble with the awesome responsibility and the high calling that it is to take care of just even one of God's little lambs. What is the DNA in the body of Christ? It is this, 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now the scripture is not using hyperbole here. The scripture means what it says. That we ought to know Christ so well. That we ought to follow him so closely. That we ought to be transformed so powerfully by his Holy Spirit after his image. That we stand ready to die. To die for each other. And that ought to make a big difference about the way we treat each other in lesser things, right? If we're supposed to be ready to die for one another, surely we can be ready to give up things that are less important than our entire life. So that means that in the communion of saints, we don't complain and demand and and want and want and want to, to get our way, but we give and we give. And we give, and we sacrifice, and we give up, and we lay down our life. And we lay down our wants. And those who have leadership in the church are told to model this character of Christ. The elders, the deacons, the preacher, they're called to love you, to pastor you, congregation, as those who are ready to give their lives, literally, to die for you. Christ expects nothing less. And the Apostle Peter tells us how we ought to pastor the flock, brothers who are in office, not domineering over those in your charge, because that's easy. You've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you have to live this way, and you're doing this wrong. That's easy. To be a legalist is real easy. But God says, no, that's not the way it works. Being examples to the flock. Be a living picture of the good shepherd. So that those whom you pastor know that you're willing to give everything for them. To give up everything for them. And even to die for them. And parents, 
You tend the little lambs of the flock for whom Jesus has laid down his life. And can't we even lay down our phones for a few minutes to give them a little bit of attention? Do our children see Christ the good shepherd in us? Or do they have to make do with the leftovers of our time and energy and attention because we're pursuing our careers and our goals and our plans and our aspirations and our dreams? And we get irritable and we get short and we get angry when they need our attention. And we think we're doing them a favor when we give up some of our precious time or sacrifice our pet projects or hobbies or the entertainment that we most enjoy in order to attend to their needs and minister to their souls. Brothers and sisters, as parents, we've got a lot of work to do. Cry out to the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and to exemplify and model to our children what he looks like, to give up, to lay down our lives for that little flock whom Christ has entrusted to us. Well, today, another little lamb of God received the mark. She belongs to God's covenant and congregation. The good shepherd promises to her that he brings her out of the Egypt of sin through the Red Sea of baptism. He promises to guide her through the desert of this world and to restore her soul, to be with her in the dark times of pain, to comfort and guide her through the brokenness of this groaning creation. And he promises to set a table before her in the presence of her enemies to nourish her hungry and thirsty soul, to treat her as an honored guest at the covenant feast so that her cup runs over, her head is anointed, to lavish his goodness and his mercy upon her and to bring her into the promised land where she will dwell in his presence for all eternity. That's what was sealed to our little sister Deja just a few moments ago. And every one of us that carries that mark, every one of us that is sealed with that mark, is reminded that that gospel is for us too. Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's a fact. And it's true for all who believe. And so he speaks to you in the gospel. He calls to you, brother and sister. Do you hear his voice? Look to him. Follow him. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen.